Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Of course, on Sundays, we oftentimes keep an eye on what's happening in the world of sports. we got monitors all over the studio. We last week I think we were che- we were checking out and keeping an eye on the American uh, tag professional American tag is that what it was called it's, it's one of those it's the it's it's tag yeah because right, because Chris O'Connell had uh, competed with one of the guys in the tag competition oh is that right you know, Chris O'Connell Chris, of course yeah. the American Ninja Warrior who fell short on Monday night on NBC <laughs> a couple of weeks back man love that dude and now we have yeah what the hell is this this is the the American Cornhole Championship that just doesn't sound right but. Well, anything with Bush's beans on the front of a shirt is going to kind of let you know how serious this event is at this point. But Yes. So, uh, listen, tag required some level of athleticism. In fact, that's where the conversation went, is that you needed to be an athlete to play in this professional tag. These, these dudes, I, I mean, come on, what sort of athleticism is it required to play cornhole? Well, our guy on the left here has got AirPods in. I, I think that anything that demands that you compete with an AirPod, that that to me tells you you are you are not the truest form of athlete. What do you want? Unlo- da- oh, sorry. What do you want, Dan? I could put axe throwing on it. You can do what? I can put axe throwing on if you want to. All right. You ever been axe throwing? No, no, man, no. I I don't do that stuff. I can't even build a tent. I'm that guy. Like if you want to survive in nature, and I'm supposed to be the guy, the protector, dude. I'm a five star hotel. Like. I don't do – I'm all about indoor plumbing. So if you want to be – I can't even change a tire. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Triple A, you're a phone call away. Get over here and do that stuff for me. Actually, I can change a tire. But I'm just telling you, man, I am not that dude. Well, it's funny because you're also the guy that swims in the ocean six <laughs> times a week. So as much as you maybe don't operate on land when it comes to Mirror Woods and going out and camping and all that stuff, you are the first one that's diving headfirst into the Arctic condition that is the Bay Area. So if you Bang. and one of your your uh, significant others, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to dance around that because from week to week, I don't know where you're at in that, that department. But if you're, so out, know, you're out with somebody and you've got a, you know, impressor and you want to build that pup tent, that, that two-person tent, you're somebody that can do that. And then you can make the fire and you're, you're baking the beans at night. Are you that guy? Uh, I, I can I can get about twenty five percent of the way through. I can put up the tent. Yeah, I might even be able to make well, the fire. Well, tents are a lot easier these days, right? Yes, yeah, I'm kind much of, easier. I'm, I'm I'm much like uh, well, I'm trying to think of a giant. I'm much like I'm a reverse split guy, right? Okay, so <laughs> I can get us out there. I can make the tent. I might even be able to make the fire. But when it comes to the actual 
the actual cooking? I can get you 90% of the way. You got to take it the last 10 years. Oh, I can do the cooking. The cooking's fine. The fire? Are you kidding me, man? There's no way I'm starting a fire. There's no way I'm building the tent. I can go to Whole Foods, buy the groceries. I can pay for the hotel. I need room service. We can still be, you know, a stone's throw from Mirror Woods or whatever forest it is that you want to go to. But I ain't living in the thing. What's up with you, Brian? I'm sure Brian, if we were out in the woods... Don't forget the Wi-Fi. Brian is a guy that's just like, come on, Mr. Fix-It. You are... What do you got there? Dan, you sound like a true L.A. guy. You know... <laughs> <laughs> wow! Gotta, gotta have a five-star... Walked right into that. Gotta that's have a, a five-star hotel. Gotta have my satin sheets. You know, come on now, Dan. Brian but, just called you Freddie Freeman. Thank, yeah, thank you very much. So, tell me, Brian, are you that guy? You can, you can make the tent. Oh, yeah. Make the tent, make the fire, you know, cook some baked beans on it. Man, going out in the woods is just relaxing and just great. Of course you can do it. And where are we doing our business? Where is everyone going to the bathroom and showering? Do we think about these things? I mean, what's going on here? How does that happen? We know Dan does. Yeah, absolutely. What are we doing here to, like, cleanse ourselves and or relieve ourselves? Are we just is one of those that's it's biodegradable in the woods? Is that where we're at? That's another area I suffer. you got to go to a uh, yeah, campsite that has a bathroom and shower. I went to a campsite uh, a couple weeks ago, three-hour drive, but they had showers, and then they had the area for the bathroom. And nowadays, they have pull-out tents, so you don't actually have to sit up the oh, tent. It'll make it really? easier for you. See, now the pull-out tent I might be able to do. I need to go to Cam's camping site. Yeah, you see, the two guys behind the glass, our man Brian and Cam, I know you can't see these guys, right? But they got beards. They're real men. These are like rugged, big dudes. They both go six-plus. They're all pushing about two bills. I mean, they're real men back there. Whereas me, that ain't the way I live, man. I'm buck seventy-five, soaking wet, and I need room service. But you guys, man, you're real men back there. They both got like plaid shirts they're wearing right now. Yeah, I mean, Cam's got a gallon of water. I'm sitting here with some seventy-five cents coffee. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> All right. Hey, I want to stay into this fib conversation. I know it's like you and I are the only ones that are interested in this sort of thing. Join us. Yeah, what about bears? When the bears are coming, what sort of – I'm going off the text line here. They want to know what about bears? Cam or Brian, if there's a bear in the woods – what is it that we're doing here? Well, correct Besides me if I'm wrong. running like hell. You, you, don't you want to get as big as possible for bears? Yeah, you Dan, your... you're not supposed to run from bears. You're supposed to actually get as big as possible. Yes, Evan, you're supposed to like scream and like try to draw them away from you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Big as possible, meaning I'm sticking my chest out saying, what, 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 what do you got? Like I'm supposed to go eyeball to eyeball with the bear? Is that what we're saying here? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand this isn't difficult for Brian, who's like six foot twelve, and Cam, who can push an offensive lineman backwards three feet. But for the rest of us who are, you know, sitting here about 160, 170, I don't know if getting as big as possible is the way to go with a big old brown bear bearing down my neck. Yeah, but when you run from the bear, you are exciting it, and then you are kind of inviting it to come to you. So running is just not the best strategy getting as big as you can and you know putting your arms out and kind of like roaring or making some sort of noise is the best way to make sure that the bear does not come to you now what about Mm. if you want to run isn't it that you if you run downhill a bear can't go downhill is there something uh, like that but they can't climb yeah you don't want to be going uphill he'll track your ass down i'm talking about going down and why do i think they can't chase or run Run downhill. You just don't want to run from a bear in general. like Because you're going to excite it, and that's going to lead you to being more, mm, more desirable, I guess, for the bear. Yeah. 
See, again, this gets back to me and you, the way you live in terms of our experience of being out near the woods. I will appease whoever it is that I'm with. I'll say, okay, we are getting a five-star hotel. We can drive to the woods or about 10, 15 minutes away. Meanwhile, you're out there in the woods, Brian, and I'm in the comfort of my hotel with my feet up on the bed watching TV with the remote, and I've got a paper, and I'm reading or I'm online, and I'm reading about you getting swallowed and or mauled by the bear. See where I'm at? You see my vantage point? And do you see your vantage point? I'm reading about you who are 15 minutes away in the forest. I'm comfortable within the confines of my hotel, online reading about man attacked by grizzly bear. Brian is the revenant. I think that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> Brian is the man that's taken on a bear head Great first. Great movie, bro. All right. Let's get back into FIP. Because that is the segue of the year. <laughs> Forget about fit, but I want to talk about batting averages just for a second. You know what? Yeah. Here, I just brought this up. Paul, stay with me for a second. Mm-hmm. So the batting average right now, collectively, the, the average Major League Baseball hitter in Major League Baseball a year ago, I think it's 246. Last year was 244. Everybody's talking about Juan Soto, best player in baseball. I don't doubt that. He's hitting 250. Yep. Batting averages now are dudes don't hit 300. You don't hit 320, have 35 bonds and 115 RBIs. Major League Baseball right now, because I think it is so pitching dominant. Now they got rid of spider tack, the what was it, gorilla snot, all that glue, that crap they're putting on their hands. I even said at the time, that's not what's influencing it. It's the technology that's available to today's aspiring pitchers, even at the AAU, high school, collegiate level. It's far superior than that of the guys who are trying to hit. You can do things to improve your swing. You can get in the cage. But in terms of the technology and the science and the overall improvement, whether it's slot angle, whether it's all these multitude of things that you can do now – As a pitcher, they clearly have the upper hand when it comes to hitters. There is such a high level of imbalance that suddenly we're watching, you know, 250 and you're having a good season because it's becoming so pitching dominant. And with that, I think what's happened to Major League Baseball is from a visual or an optics or an entertainment standpoint, it's boring as hell. Yeah. No, it is because you're looking for, as a hitter, the three true outcomes. And this is why, I mean, the Giants are kind of built on this principle, and I think that's why some of their underlying metrics, as we discussed in the previous segment, FIP, are a lot better than we'd assume, is because the Giants are built to hit home runs, of which currently they are fifth in the NL. So they are doing that. Even though they're hitting 236, they they're in the you know bottom 10 as far as batting average, they do hit home runs, and that is the way to score in the modern day in MLB. They also, as pitchers, they do get a lot of strikeouts. They get a lot of swings and misses. I know Alex Wood does, and I'm talking about you know, the Rodons, the Webs. They focus on, and maybe this is where it gets lost, they focus on the process for success, and they just don't right now have enough talent to be able to make it work. So when you're looking at batting average, you know their batting average is, is, is fine, 236, but they're fourth in on-base percentage. They, so they find a way to get on base, and that's how they want to produce runs. You want to set, get the table set, And then you want to come through and eat the buffet with the home run, right? But where they can't, and and where I think the batting average sometimes gets lost is when you need a big hit, when you need a guy at the plate that can beat good pitching, there's not enough of that, 
both on the Giants and also just around baseball. To your point, there are so many more dominant pitchers than dominant hitters that it just outweighs. Every time you go to the bullpen now, I'm looking at a guy like, even last night, I was at you know Evan Phillips for the Dodgers. He's got like a 5 ERA. That guy throws 96 with an 82-mile-an-hour hammer. Like That guy <laughs> is incredible as far as his pure stuff. There are so many more of those guys as opposed to even 15, 20 years ago. You're looking at, all right, who are the best starting pitchers? All right, Pedro Martinez or Greg Maddox or Randy Johnson. Like There are more guys not of that ilk or that those statistics but there are guys of that stuff you see so many more guys throw 98 now than they used to everybody be. has it in their bag and the one thing you can't adjust to is well you can't adjust your eyesight like you can't suddenly be able to move a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second quicker and that's to me the real reason why guys aren't hitting as well and maybe the solution is you want to lower the mound you want to move the mound back I mean, you got to find a way to level the playing field a little bit more. But I also do think, to give hitters some credit, they are better than they used to be. They have to be in order to hit this level of pitching. So right now, you're finding it's velocity against power. Like, that's that's where the real debate, the real battle happens. It's how well can you hit hard pitching or hard breaking balls, and how far can you hit those pitches? The Giants do still do that. They yeah. do still hit the ball far. They just don't make contact as much. Yeah, it's feast or famine these days. Yeah. And you're right. When I was a kid, and I'm older than you, but growing up, I mean, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, the before mentioned, there were a few guys that would get it up there, you know, 98, 99 miles an hour. Just about every pitcher now will go 95. They'll put it on the black. It's every pitcher can get it up there now. It's, it used to be just a handful, right? Oh, Clemens is coming. Let's go see this dude. He's, he's hard throwing. Everybody now can hit that on the gun. And what's happened to Major League Baseball now is that you're right. In order to counter that, you've got that was sort of the advent of the launch angle, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to get this thing out of the yard. So we've lost station-to-station baseball. What's the most exciting play? And this is statistically proven. And they asked fans, it's the triple. You don't see triples. You don't see a guy getting thrown out at the plate. I want to see a guy on first trying to stretch it to third. I want to see a guy going from second to home. All of that game within the game, I just want to see a guy try and steal second. Nobody does that anymore. And you've lost me. And somehow you got to get back to that. The other thing you got to get back to, I'm sort of split on this. Last night, did you see the game? Austin Slater strikes out, and it was a bad call. Ramon De Jesus just blew it. He blew it, and they had, he was a potential tying run. Yep. So again, the clamor for the Robo Umps in that conversation is dusted off. First of all, where are you at with Robo Umps? I have broadcasted a game with a Robo Ump. Really. This is why you're so good in these conversations. (laughs) The dude did a thesis on FIB, and he's actually broadcast a game with a robot. What was that like? So it was actually, from a broadcast perspective, it was pretty easy. I mean, the home plate umpire is back there for, you know, foul balls and to be able to tell the umpire, the the managers to shut the hell up, quit arguing with me, I'm not calling balls and strikes. But there's a guy up in the booth who's sitting there looking at a computer. Pitch comes in, similar to, I'm, I'm assuming we're all watching on TV, the K Zone. If it's in the K zone or if it touches the K zone on the loudspeaker, that's a strike. Oh, 0 and really? 1. If it's outside, that's a ball. 1 and 0, the count. And the the only issue to me Wait, why, so uh, I, 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 to cut you off. So yeah. 
typically, obviously, when you have a home plate umpire, everybody there at the stadium, you're at Dodger Stadium, you're one of the 40,000 fans, and there's a strike, you wait, obviously, for the demonstrative call by that of the umpire to let everybody know it's a strike. So you're telling me to replace that with the robo-umpire, somebody get on a PA system will let you know whether it's a ball or a strike. Yeah, so you still have the umpires on the field because there are certain calls you need to make that a robo-ump cannot make. Okay. But as it pertains to the strike zone specifically, there's someone in the public address announcement wow. box who says, you know, it it's instantaneous, right? Ball comes in, call comes into the to computer upstairs, PA guy or girl says, strike. And that's the count's two and one. And then you make the next pitch. It, it didn't make the game any faster. Wait, I got to cut you off again because usually the strikeout, you get that big call by the umpire. None Some guys that. will ring him up. So the PA announcer goes, he out. Well, you could, I guess, if you're getting into it. The games that I called, there was no, there was not much of that, and I'm sure you can you you'd be able to get creative with your strikeout call, but you don't get to see the umpire punch anybody out. Wow. Okay, I'd miss that. See, go on. What else about the robo ump? So when I talked to some players about it, they actually said that. So there were three. It was a three game series. They used the robo ump in all three games, and it actually happened up here in San Rafael, the the Pacifics, who are in the Picos League. They actually used to play in the um, one of the indie ball leagues up here with the Vallejo Admirals, who I worked for. So we were in the series that they used the robo umps on. So I'm broadcasting the game, and I'm talking to our players after and say, hey, you know, did you like it? Was it weird? And it was actually pretty one-sided. The players all were in 100% confirmation. robo umps work because it is much easier. Like We're talking about how difficult it is to adjust to a 98% versus 90-mile-per-hour fastball. It's also, for the, for the hitters that I talk to, more difficult to adjust to bad calls up and down as opposed to in and out. And you typically see human umpires give the black, like we call it, you know, the black of the plate, inch or two off the plate. That usually is just an out or in issue. So, you know, if you're calling a strike in the other batter's box, it's not going to be up. Like, you see more calls, and I think we saw this last night. High strike zone. High strike zone, but those are also the calls that don't get called as much. Alex Mm. Wood thought he was out of the at-bat against Mookie Betts. He ends up working a full count again. Home run happens. There was a missed call on a pitch up and or down. So, for hitters, you can get to those pitches. Like, because the, the bat doesn't get any longer, right? You can't get to a pitch that's in right next to your midsection. You can't get to a pitch that's in the other batter's box. You can get to a pitch that's a little bit above the belt. You can get to a pitch that's a little bit below the knees. So for hitters and the robo-umps, I think it would be easier to make an adjustment because if, granted, the robotics are 100% perfect, which to me is kind of the obstacle at this point, if it's 100%, it may actually be easier for hitters and could contribute to a better batting average. Mm, that's an interesting perspective. 888 We're going to officially open up the phone lines. Lines three and four are now open. Let's get out to Matt hanging out in San Rafael. Wants to get in on the conversation about the robo-umps. What's up, Matt? How are you? Hey, I was on the board for the San Rafael Pacifics about six years ago, and Eric Burns came out. He set up all the robo-umps, and we had a flashing light in center field. And if it was a strike, it would go green a ball will go red. So Eric Burns was behind this big thing. Now, as you know, he's the manager for the Savannah Bananas. But um, the robots worked really well, and, and Eric Burns would be one to talk to about this. Um, it, it, it needs a little tinkering, but, um, 
you don't need the PA announcer to do it. You just have a, a light in center field that goes red or green. Um, anyway, that's just my two cents, and, uh, and it worked for our single AT. We appreciate it. Yeah, so all eyes, I guess, would be on on some sort just like you look at the scoreboard, I'm assuming. I, I do remember there being an announcement, and maybe it was Eric Burns punching people out. He's been big on RoboOps he, for years. Oh, he's, he's huge on it, and I understand why. But my only issue with the, the green versus red is a lot of the fans oftentimes aren't necessarily paying attention to the, the board out in yeah. center field. So you would need some sort of announcement to be able to get that going. But the point is well taken, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm glad there's someone else in San Rafael that was at those games <laughs> uh, because I felt like I was one of the only ones. My man, that's how you get to the top. So you can tell these stories when you're, you know, you're calling, you're calling play-by-play on ESPN Game of the Week on a Monday night. Here's, here's the counter argument to that. All right, I like I'm I'm so frustrated when I see guys. The Angel Hernandez is this dude Ramon De Jesus who was behind the plate yesterday. It was like he had no strike zone, and that's part of the problem. You have no idea what this dude is going to call. He was all over the place, and it's frustrating, and it screams for the robo-ump. But I think we're moving. I'm not big on video replay. Let me just get that out of the way. It's becoming so robotic, no pun intended. But to as I mentioned, you lose the, that personality of an umpire ringing up a guy. And here's the other thing. You talk about how it could be beneficial to hitters, and that was really enlightening. I didn't even think about that. But also, the catcher's responsibilities in this game today has been so removed, right? Nobody steals anymore. You don't even need to have a strong arm. When I was growing up, your catcher had – you would compromise the spine of the infield. Your catcher, if he's not hitting well, that's okay because he's got to be a good battery guy. He's got to be a good defensive guy. That's first and foremost. Your center fielder, same thing. You know, he's hitting in the low 200s. That's okay. He's got to cover the most ground. He's our, he's our quarterback out there. And same with the shortstop to a certain degree. It's okay. This dude's hitting 215. He could pick it. It'll make sense for me. There's more ground balls. The shortstop position, he can get into the hole. It's You could compromise certain players, and you start in the middle of the diamond. Now when you think about the catcher, they don't even have to have a strong arm because nobody steals. Now if I don't have to frame pitches, which is probably number two in terms of the talent requirement, what the hell? Why don't you just get a beach chair and just you know sit up there and do the New York Times crossword puzzle for nine innings? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. What the hell is the catcher's responsibility? I do want to defend catchers in this sense. One of the reasons that people don't steal anymore is because you are required to have a certain pop time just to be behind the plate. It's like every single catcher, I I know, you know, maybe, well, he's not a great example, like Tucker Barnhart for the Reds. I guarantee you that guy has a sub, you know, whatever threshold pop time requisite to be able to throw out runners. So guys don't run as much because of success. Explain pop time. It's basically out of your crouch to second base under two seconds. What's the what's the barometer from the time the ball hits your glove to the pot from the time the ball hits the second baseman's glove? So catching oh, from the catcher's pop glove to pop, pop to pop, you need to be around two flat, and that will help. And that's that'll help you know pitchers who are slow to the plate, pitchers who are fast. Regardless, the amount of successful stolen bases has dwindled so far down that it's not it's not uh, mathematically. A good idea to steal unless you're unless you can steal you know 80 90 percent of your bases like Starling Marte the guy steals a lot of bases but he's also he doesn't get thrown out a lot and that is where you need to be in order just to even think about running but that takes me to my next point which maybe hope maybe can lead us into our next segment baseball is missing the human element and that's my one 
real issue with Robo um, specifically, to your point about not having human error. One of the reasons why yep. I, don't, I don't think we like baseball as as a collective is because we don't we don't get to see any of these guys express themselves. The only time they express oh, themselves is when they're flipping the bat, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's so great!" And that's a, that lasts for two seconds. That's two seconds of a three hour game that a guy gets to express himself. I want to see these uber athletes that we know baseball players to be, at least some of them. I want to see them out there running. I want to see them out there trying to do different things with their body. That's why we love basketball. It's as it's as much a aesthetic art as it is a craft and a skill, and we get to see it on display every day for the majority of the game. We don't get to see that for baseball, and to me, a robo-ump kind of takes away from that of what we really need to be getting back to, which is the human element of baseball. Yeah, I want to I want to dive into that just a little bit more, and then we're going to switch gears and get into football. But robotics, when it comes to professional sports, where are you at? Is there too much of it? Do you need more? Are you good with where we're at right now, or do we need to cut back and reduce a little bit? It is Evan Giddings and Dan Avone here on a Sunday morning on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back. To 95.7 The Game. Seven Giddings, it's Dan Devon on a Sunday morning here on 95.7 The Game. Interesting conversation. I just wanted to continue here for a little bit before we sort of put a period on it and move on to the San Francisco 49ers. A reminder, Eric Crocker from Locked On Niners will join us at the top of the hour as camp opens up in a matter of days. Tuesday will be the start of the San Francisco 49ers summer camp. And the beginning of the Trey Lance era, although Jimmy Garoppolo, that shadow, still hanging around. Eric Crocker to discuss all of that and much, much more. But I want to continue here talking about the plight of baseball. And we got into this discussion about robo-umpires. And you so, uh, in interesting fashion, were able to point out how this detracts from the personality of the game which I think is really at the crux and the heart of what it is that they're struggling with because they're not 
resonating. They're not identifying with Gen X, Gen Y, even the millennials to a certain degree. And that's where the advertisers want to be. They want that audience. You can reach out to them. That's your television revenue. It creates, it's everything in terms of your target audience. And baseball has been swinging and missing with these people for, for quite some time. And I, I would agree with you, but on a different level. I think if you were to implement robo-umpires, it further detracts from the personality of the game in this regard. That as much as I don't like Angel Hernandez blowing a game, as much as I don't like what I saw from Ramon De Jesus, who was behind the dish last night between the Dodgers and the Giants, and he was all over the place, including the last play of the game with the potential game-tying runners on base, and he rings up you know, the before-mentioned Austin Slater. That, a guy making a bad call, now stay with me here, because people can immediately say, well, you got to eradicate that. But that also adds to the overall discussion and popularity of the sport. The fact that you and I are talking about Angel Hernandez, did you see him last night, blow that game, and not knowing the uncertainty of a home plate umpire and still putting the judgment in human Allowing human error, which is what all this is about. Guy fumbles the ball, it's a human error. Guy hits a home run, it's about human talent. Ta- if you remove the human element, including umpires, this is becoming a video game. Now, I get it. We want to see an umpire get every call correct. But sometimes when it's on the margins, it's on the fringe, and the Dodgers are saying, no, good call, and the Giants are saying, no, we got robbed, that, that collision, that discussion, that heated argument in a weird way, promotes the sport. So the removal of umpires and putting in robots further, I think, puts Major League Baseball in that hole where there is this disconnect because of the void of personalities with its sport and its fan base. Where are you on that? I'm along the same lines as you because when I think of some of the greatest moments in sports, some of the most iconic moments... The one thing that I kind of come back to, not for every single one, but there is maybe a bad call involved. I'm yeah. thinking of thinking of the hand of God, Argentina, Britain, 1970. That should have been a handball. It doesn't. And they Maradona. Go, Maradona. I'm thinking about. All right. So right now, the Captain documentary is out on ESPN. Right. They're rolling out Derek Jeter's seven million part buy or whatever. I'm looking at. I think it's 96 against the Baltimore Orioles. Derek Jeter's number one moment, by the way. Hits a fly ball to right field. A fan reaches out, scoops the ball over. That ball is not out. And today, that ball would not be rolled. Is that World home. Series? It was, uh, I think, the a- oh, no, ALCS. Oh, ALCS. ALCS. And that's the play that had everyone hooting and hollering about how the Yankees are cheaters and Jeter's this, and they're just, they're home, you know. Like, we don't get any of those moments. We don't get a reason in some cases to feel, to feel emotion, good or bad, without the injection of human error. And mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that I want somebody to blame, but I, I, I just think that if you take away the, refer, the officiating, like, what, what's, what's half of the storyline sometimes when the Warriors are in a playoff game? Who's all right? Who's calling the game? Who's calling the yeah. game tonight? Who's the Who's the referee? Chris Paul talking about Scott Foster. Oh well, it's a Scott Foster game. Well, I guess we're going back to Phoenix. Like those are all things that, as much as we say we don't like, we really we love it. Like we we love the gossip. We love 
the crap talking that is involved and swirls around officiating. And this, to me, does not give you that opportunity. And as fans, I, I don't think we know what to do. Like, you know, if if like let's say that the the robo arm makes a mistake, which could happen. Yeah. I know that's why they haven't put it in yet because it's not a hundred percent. But let's say the RoboUp makes a terrible call. It has a glitch in the system. Who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the AI? You're going to blame the guy who put the computer together? Who, who are you going to blame? Is <laughs> some nerd in a lab coat with a pocket protector? Exactly. And speaking of lab coats, speaking nerd. of white collar, this is, is, in my opinion, where baseball has, has sort of become unpopular for various reasons. But it used to be a blue-collar sport. It used to be a sport that was... The entrance fee, you could go to the game, you could bring the family. Players were blue-collar players. Now, and and I don't know if it's as much because of sabermetrics or but it, it it just seems like it's a it's a thinking man, it's a it's an educated man or woman's game, right? Like you know, almost need to be people feel like you need to be a certain level of smart just to understand how baseball is. Couple of played degrees nowadays. just to buy a ticket. Exactly, because if I say, oh, well, this guy's a 250 hitter, he's he's crap. Someone someone with a white coat will come down and say, well, actually, well, did you know his OPS? <laughs> did you know his K rate? Did you know his swing rate? Did you know did you know all these different blah, 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 blah. And that, to me, is kind of, a, like, that deters me from being interested in the game. You throwing all this information at me, like, don't tell me how to think about baseball. It's a simple game. You pick up the ball, you throw the ball to first, you get 27 outs, nine innings, team with the most runs wins. That's what baseball is, and you do everything you can to win the game. But now it's like, okay, well, I got to worry about you know a, a certain player's um, home run percentage against a pitcher. That's I'm like, just slow the game down. And to me, you make it more complicated than it needs to be right now with robo arms. Yeah, and to that point, to a larger point, everybody's aspiring for perfection, right? That's why we have these numbers. We can reduce the mistakes in baseball. It's not a perfect sport. Life isn't perfect. Baseball certainly isn't. Making outs is part of the game. And what has happened with the quote-unquote guys in a lab that are, are essentially now become the most important people on a baseball team, the stat dudes, these guys that are, that are punching out numbers every day, is that they're dictating the sport. And this takes me to the shift. I hate going here, man, but mm. I am not a fan of the shift. Yeah, I know that you I know that that this is brilliant that you're able to look at percentages in terms of where this guy typically will hit the baseball and you can get him out. But what is happening to the sport itself in terms of viewership and in terms of level of interest if nobody's getting a base hit and all we're witnessing are strikeouts and home runs? Stay where you are in terms of the shortstop, the third baseman. I don't want to see. There was a game last year. I always point this out, Ev. I think it was Yastrzemski was at the plate. It was the Padres and the Giants. And Yastrzemski, it's a fly ball. And the game was still in tow. And he hits it down the right field line. And the thing just goes foul. Now, the right fielder was chasing it down. And then somebody else, because there's two guys out there. There was somebody else that was diving, dove on the warning track to try and come up with this catch. So there's two guys out there, and I, I look a little closer. You know who it was? Manny Machado. The third baseman is diving on the warning track for a fly ball. 
Get the hell out of there. Go back to third base. It's okay if it's a fair ball. Let your right fielder try and chase it down. If it's to the gap, leave your feet, right fielder, and see if you can come up with it. And if you don't, oh, it's running to the wall, and everybody's going nuts. Run, Yastrzemski, run. Bring that back to the game. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to see every dude making out where the average now, the medium is at 245 in Major League Baseball. It's either a home run or a strikeout. This isn't appealing. Yeah, it might be successful in terms of what it is that these nerds are doing to the sport, but as far as the, as the average Joe who just wants to sit down, grab a tall one, put his feet up and watch baseball, come on, man. This isn't entertaining to anybody. I'm willing to run half the marathon with you. And as the sun comes out, I know people are finishing up on. the San Francisco marathon. Yeah, you've been agreeing with me too much, by the no, way. No, I, I have. Honestly, I need to stop, all right? <laughs> I'm going four miles with you, and then I'm putting the barricade down. I'm hitting the wall, and this is why. It is all about, in sports, it's about adjustments. Now, I'm not saying that there should be four guys on the right side of the infield. There should be somewhere you cut it off. But when you mention the Machado play, my first mind is... I. If I can put my most athletic defender in a certain position to make a highlight play, I want to do that. Now, the difference to me is this, and where I think there's there's some uh, commonplace we can find. In basketball, right, if a team is can't play against zone, what do you do? You, you play zone. Like, that's why Bayheim has the 1-3-1. People can't figure out how to beat a zone. It shouldn't be upon him to switch up his plans because you can't beat his defense. In football... Some teams run in certain situations, prevent defense. They have all-out blitzes. They have different coverages defensively to adjust for what an offense is doing. But, and here's here's where I, I kind of see what you're talking about. Michael Jordan in the 90s eliminated illegal, or he created a rule called illegal offense. You can't put four guys on one side of the court and put MJ to go one-on-one or two-on-one or three because it's a disadvantage. He's too good. Defense is the shift. You can't put you shouldn't be able to put four guys or three guys on one side of the infield. That is a disadvantage to the offense. But what you should be allowed to do, and maybe it's two guys on each side, but you should be able to move your two guys as long as you have an equal amount of parts on each side of the field, you should be able to move them where you want to. If I got a hitter in a two strike count, you're telling me I can't move my center fielder towards his, you know, his non-pull side where he's probably going to hit the ball, I think that should be allowed. So I'm I'm kind of with you, but I, I don't think we can completely eliminate the shift because... I what, about, what about the infield? Well, I, but I, I don't think that would change a hitter's perspective. Like, the reason why guys shift is because hitters are, okay, I'm a pull hitter or I'm a slap hitter. There's one way that they have hit their entire lives. That's not going to change. And I know that's a strange thing to think about because we look at the old school players, the Rod Carews, the Tony Gwynns, you know, the guys who are willing to go the other way to find the hole in the defense. But that's that to me, whether you eliminate the shift or not, is not going to change Joey Gallo trying to yank a ball 400 feet in the right field. But what you can do is eliminate the the extreme shift. Three guys on the right side or the left side, to me, shouldn't be allowed to happen. You shouldn't be, maybe you shouldn't be, if you have three guys on the right side, one of them can't be in the outfield. You can't have, you know, three outfielders not covering the entire side of left field. Like, those type of extreme shifts, to me, should be done away with. But I do think you should be allowed to position your defenses as you like. No, I have no problem with that. No, but I think that... 
everybody on the right side of the diamond has to stay on the right side of the bag. In other words, if you're the second or the first baseman, you're sta- you can do anything within that, within that cavity or that right side of the bag. No, there's always – when I was growing up, just like you, you're like, you know, you're center fielder. You, you would – if you were playing in the outfield, you look to the dugout and there would be a coach who would tell you, you know, a couple of sh- – you need to shade to the left, a couple of steps to the right or left. No, that's fine. I'm talking about. Are we on the same level here? Yes. Yeah, I think we are. I am. I'm talking about the drastic shift because when I'm watching a baseball game, and right when you're watching it on the tube, and if you've watched enough baseball, you sort of know whether the ball is going to get to the gap or it's going to get get down. And I I was watching a game the other day. You had runners at first and second, and someone hits the ball to right center field, and obviously I'm not there, so I can't see the whole field. I'm like, oh, that's going to the wall. That's to the gap. They pan out. Mm-hmm. The camera pans out, and there's the third baseman. He's standing right there it's in the gap yeah. in shallow right field. Like, I, I come on, man. What the hell are we doing now? Like, th- that is – and this idea, the counterargument is, well, just – if nobody's on the left side of the diamond, just hit them where they're not. Why can't you just do that? It's First of all, it starts with the pitching, as we had illustrated. We had talked about how the pitching now is so pinpoint. These guys are at 97 miles an hour, not to mention the placement. It's not like it was five or even ten years ago. These dudes put it where they want. So if you know a guy has tendencies to go a certain way, the pitcher is going to work accordingly in terms of working with the defense. And if you want me to all of a sudden try and inside out my swing so that I can scratch a single through the left side of the diamond, that may screw me up for a month and a half. Because we know how nuanced the baseball swing is, right? Yeah. And this idea, and I do not want to see Brandon Belton. I saw this the other night in a key game where they're trying to come back against the Dodgers. He's trying to push a bunt to the left side of the diamond and he strikes out. I don't want to see that. And he's trying to take advantage of the fact that there's no one there. That's not what I paid to see. I paid to see Brandon Belt jerk one out to right field or to get around him one and do what it is that he does. I do think that... Okay, so as a fan, as well as a front office member, I think, you want to put your best defender in a position to make a play. Let's look at the Giants. I want Brandon Crawford, maybe not in shallow right field, but if he's the rover, if he's the Machado that you're bringing up, I want him in a position to be able to maximize his gold glove ability. I want him to be able to make as many plays as he can. So maybe it's not an extreme shift, but in in a sense... The only way that I can think of us being able to find similar ground is, okay, you have two guys on the right side of the infield. Um, Joey Gallo is up. He's going to hit it to the right side. Okay, well, then Crawford can go play second base in this situation. But he, sh- he should be allowed, if there's not three guys on that side, to be able to be in a position where he can cover the most ground. Maybe that's in shallow right field. Maybe that's a little bit further up the middle. But you should. I-, I think that... there there should be a, a situation where you can have your best guy featured. Like, I want to see Mike Trout make as many plays as possible in center field. I want to see Mike Yastrzemski be able to maximize his range in right or his arm in right. I want to see my bet because that's also another thing about the shift that I, I think teams use. It's to cover up their deficiencies defensively. So I think that you should be able to switch a guy around on the infield. Like, 
Matt Matt Chapman for the A's now for the Blue Jays. That guy is an incredible defender. Nolan Arenado, amazing. Machado, he's the rover in San Diego. I want to see those guys in positions to make plays. And so I don't think we can completely eliminate even some of the extreme aspects of the shift. I just want to see it. It there needs to be some sort of like definition of it. A def the definition of the shift to me is different when you go to Tampa. I know when when I was working in the Tiger system for a little bit, they had literal zones set up for their infielders and outfielders of where you had to be at a certain time for a certain hitter. I think those need to be more mainstream, more ex- extrapolated over the course of the entire MLB. Because if you figure out what exactly is the shift, okay, well, does that mean three on the right, three on the left? Does that mean two kind of staggered up the middle? Three, like there needs to be some sort of way we can define the shift, and then then from there we can figure out what is best. But for right now, I I can't completely knock it. I don't like the way it looks, but if that allows me to put my Gold Glove shortstop in a place where he can make plays, which is could be in shallow right field, could be up the middle. I want to see that as a fan because he's my best guy. I want to see Crawford featured. You know, you touched on something that I didn't even think about, how it detracts. One of the things that I enjoy when I go to a baseball game is the defense, especially in the outfield. I want to see a guy get on his giddy-up if he's a center field that can cover ground and and go track something down. And you're right. If you have the shift out there, he doesn't have to cover as much ground. He doesn't have to run as fast, especially if a guy is quick. I mean, that's one of the most enjoyable things to watch. And it gets back to our original point that this is about being pleasing to the fan. It's returning the entertainment value to that of the fan. There is an injury where Evan Longoria, by the way, Evan Longoria is on the 10-day DL, pulled his hammy, and Santos gets called up. So our man, Evan Longoria, uh, out for, it could be an extended period of time. But speaking of Evan Longoria, he was on the disabled list last year. And this is when the Giants, and this was key. Wilmer Flores had to step in and played well, but the Giants were were playing so well, and they were without one of their key players. Evan Longoria was enjoying such a, such a remarkable season. You know how Longoria got hurt? He collided with Brandon Crawford at shortstop during a shift, meaning that Longoria was playing in the six hole, was playing the shortstop position. Crawford was on the right side of second base, playing conventionally where a second baseman would play, and there was a ground ball hit up the middle, and those two collided. A third baseman and a shortstop should never collide. That, to me, was the epitome of the shift. Evan Longoria lost because he collided with his shortstop on a ground on an infield ground ball. That that was that was over the top for me when it comes to Major League Baseball. Also, you know, talking about the shortstop position, the average of ground balls to a shortstop has been reduced to like two or three a game now. Where you don't, even, we're talking about the catcher. Doesn't necessarily have to have a hose or a strong arm. Yeah. Shortstops now, that used to be you had to have your best player at shortstop. Now you could actually hide him at the shortstop position because you don't get nearly as many chances because guys just simply don't hit it on the ground anymore. I'm just telling you, you know, the shift is interesting. By the way, it's going to be eradicated next year, as I understand it. I think it's done. They're they're trying to figure out a way to move along, but but, well, but also as far as hiding your shortstop, you can. I think, but that's that also that also kind of helps extends careers. Like that's there's a reason why a, a Justin Turner can continue to play for so long as maybe an average to subpar. Like 
There's a reason why Corey Seager can stay at shortstop. There's a reason why certain guys can stay in the field because you need their bat, but you have to find a way to make sure that they're not killing you on defense. So while I understand we want to feature guys more that are great, that are gold glove, that are platinum glove even, we also have to take into account some of those guys that may not be on the field if this shift is not around. All right, this all leads to the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers will conclude things today. Is it Alex Cobb on the hill today? Alex Cobb gets the ball, and it'll be Clayton Kershaw that will be on the bump for the Los Angeles Dodgers as the Giants try and salvage one against L.A. And look at man, it, you're only two games out of that playoff. Of course, they extended the playoffs this year, so they are not far behind. We do want to shift gears and get into the NFL and talk about training camp that opens up in a matter of days. Tuesday, as the San Francisco 49ers will report, where are we at with Trey Lance? What about Jimmy Garoppolo? Any chance Jimmy Garoppolo is at this thing? On Tuesday? Uh, not good. No, not he, good. He's not going to be there, though, right? Oh, no, no, no. no on Tuesday, no. Or no. Wednesday when it starts, no, he will not be there. Debo Samuel. He might also not. Really? Mm. Now, there's a storyline. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we'll get into Debo Samuel. Why hasn't that contract been signed? He's here, right? He, on, what was it, on his Instagram or his Twitter feed, he took a picture of SFO that he had landed. It said, welcome to San Francisco. So he's letting everybody know, I'm here. I'm ready to go. 49ers want him. He wants to be here. His trainer said he's going to get paid. 49ers pay him. And now you know everybody's locked up as, as far as wide receivers. So it's not as though there's sort of this gray area. I'm not sure what his worth is. Now you know. Tariq Hill's up here. A.J. Brown's here. Cooper Cup's here. Just slide him in accordingly. And I think he's going to come in at, what, like $24, 25000000 million a year? But why? I mean... Get this thing done. Yep. It is getting a little bit late. We'll discuss all of that with Eric Crocker from Locked On Niners as Evan Giddings and Danavone continue here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.